All right, so it is uh, St. Patrick's uh, weekend, right? Um, which basically has come to, has become kind of a day about green and clovers and beer or whatever. Uh, but we often fail to realize, what we often fail to realize is that the, the significance of Patrick and his influence not only on Christianity but on Western civilization. Patrick of Ireland was an amazing person who brought Christianity to Ireland in a very creative, missional way. So rather than, than creating this, this huge, sacred, secular divide between Celtic culture and Christianity, Patrick looked for ways to kind of bridge that gap. He looked for ways to incorporate elements of Celtic culture into the faith community without compromising the gospel. And, and so one of the, one of the Celtic um, culture concepts um, that he incorporated into the faith community was this thing called thin places, thin places. In, in Celtic culture, before Christianity came on the scene, there was this belief that there were certain places where the line between the spiritual and the physical became very thin, where, where there was greater access to the spiritual realm. So whether it was a certain dark cave or a particular grove of trees or a, a rock formation like Stonehenge or you know, something like that or a deep valley or whatever, or even a time of day, many people at that time believed that sunset was this thin place, this moment, this, this location where the barrier between us and God became translucent where a window to God was opened so that in that place, in that moment, we could experience spiritual realities. Now, again, rather than dismissing this idea as demonic or, or whatever, Patrick chose to adapt it. So Patrick taught people that when Jesus is in your life, every place is a thin place. When Jesus is in your life, every place is a thin place. Every place is a place where we can experience Christ's presence. So, so why, why is this important today? Well, here's why. A lot of us, a lot of us unintentionally live our lives just like the Celts did before Patrick. We live our everyday lives with this mindset that there are certain places where God is more accessible to us. A church service a Bible study, a devotional time, a Jesus culture concert, or whatever. And in those places, we feel God's nearness and his accessibility, which is, which is awesome, honestly. That's awesome. But honestly, during the rest of our lives, during the regular routine of our lives, you know, doing laundry and, and, and working and, and going to school or skiing or sitting at our daughter's volleyball match or whatever, right? We don't really, in those places, we don't feel the nearness of God. Those activities, those contexts don't feel like thin places. Honestly, they don't feel spiritual at all. But as Patrick discovered, that's not how God wants us to live. God wants us to live in the reality that all of life is a thin place. See, there is an awareness of, there's an experience of God that is constantly available to us 24-7, no matter where we are or what we're doing. Now, now, Patrick, of course, Patrick didn't come up with that idea on his own, right? He gleaned it from the same scriptures that you and I have in our possession. So remember, when Jesus came on the scene, remember when Jesus came on the scene, what was his primary message? 
The kingdom of God is near, (laughs) right? The kingdom of God is at hand. And in other words, Jesus is saying this is now a thin place. This is a thin place. God is present in the here and now. Okay, so it is no surprise, it is no surprise that when the Apostle Paul was writing this letter to a church in a city, the city of Ephesus, a very spiritually pluralistic city, it is no surprise that Paul urges them to live in this reality that all of life is a thin place. So check out how Paul begins this letter. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. See, Paul is talking about the spiritual realities that are ours to experience at any moment in time. We have access to these spiritual blessings 24-7. See, Paul is saying here that all of life is a thin place. All of life is a place to experience God. So, so then, in the next 14 verses, Paul goes on to describe in more detail what some of these spiritual blessings are, which we've been exploring over the past several weeks. Being loved by God being chosen by him, being adopted into his family, being forgiven lavishly, being redeemed, being the recipients of God's abundant grace, being sealed with the spirit. I mean, we have 24-7 access to all of these amazing spiritual realities. But as we've been saying all along, just because we have access to these things doesn't mean we're experiencing these things. And so in verse 15, of Ephesians chapter 1, Paul launches into this prayer for us to experience these things more deeply. So as, as Mariana shared last week, she did a fantastic job. She shared last week that Paul initially prays for two things, that we can know God better and then that we can know the hope of our inheritance. But there's one more thing that he prays for in this prayer. And it's something that speaks directly to and encourages us to live in this thin place reality where God's presence can regularly break into our lives and and our, our, our situation. So look with me at Ephesians 1, verses 18 and 19. Paul is praying, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. See, Paul is saying, he is praying that we would experience God's power. It is an incomparably great power. So God's power is beyond anything that we would try to compare it to. There is no comparison to any man-made power on earth. This is, this is celestial galaxy power, right? This is the power that created the sun, which, which in one second uses more energy than mankind has used in our entire existence. That's the kind of power we're talking about. And the word great here, this, the Greek word that Paul uses for great, it's the word megathos, seriously, mega. And we all know what mega means, right? This is super power. This is not just the kind that we love in Marvel movies. I mean, this is real. This is real. God's power is beyond comparison. It is mega great. And then notice the last few words of this phrase. It is for us who believe. This power is for us 
This power is available to anyone who places their faith in Jesus. I mean, Paul, he is running out of words. He is running out of words to describe this power. And so right at this moment in the passage, he changes tactics. He changes tactics. He gives us a concrete example of the kind of power we're talking about. So look at, again at verse 19. That power that I've just described, incomparably great, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Okay, so now take a moment and just look again at those words there and think about what Paul is saying here. I mean, the resurrection of Jesus was kind of a big deal, right? I mean, Jesus was tortured, he was crucified and died. And then some of his followers took his dead body and they laid it in a cold, dark tomb for a few days. Death, no heartbeat, no blood pumping through his veins, no breath in his lungs, rigor mortis setting in. I mean, most all of us have seen a dead body and it is not not pretty. No matter how hard the mortician works to make the body look peaceful, we know This person is dead. They look dead. But of course, on the third day, Jesus was brought to life and began appearing to hundreds of eyewitnesses. People saw him. They talked with him. He was alive. I mean, what kind of power, what kind of power can bring a dead person to life? I mean, sometimes medical technology um, and immediate CPR can resuscitate someone, you know, within a few minutes of death, but not days, not days. God's power, God's power brought Jesus' dead body back to life. And Paul says, that's the same power that lives in you. That is the same power that lives in you. The power that brings dead things to life lives in you. So, so let, me, let me just ask you, what in your life needs resurrecting? What in your life needs resurrecting? What in your life right now, just, it just has the smell of death? What in your life feels like rigor mortis has set in? What, what in your life feels cold, dark, dead? Maybe it's your marriage where, where feelings of love are, are gone. Maybe it's just you feeling, just being stuck in a job that you don't enjoy or perhaps it's a, a member, a family member or a friend who's, who's running away from God and you can't do anything to stop them. Or maybe it's an area of addiction or struggle that seems to be getting the upper hand and you wonder, you wonder if you will ever be free. Or maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's depression. And as you look to the future, you know, life just feels kind of hopeless. Is this going to get any better? Maybe you're battling a chronic physical condition, wondering if you will ever, ever be able to enjoy normal activity again. Where do you need a resurrection? Where do you need God's power to to be manifest, to bring something to life? The word Paul uses here for power, you can do a word study 
encourage you to if you're interested. It's fascinating, but if you look at this word power that he uses here, dunamis, this word, it's used in various places in the, in the New Testament to describe God's supernatural activity among us. But most often, this word is used to describe miracles of restoration and healing in people's lives. People being healed of physical conditions, as well as people experiencing deliverance from demonic oppression. See, this word is not simply describing hypothetical power or theoretical power. No, this word, power, refers to God breaking into our lives, breaking into our circumstances, our perspectives, and bringing transformation, bringing healing, bringing wholeness, bringing freedom. See, when we we truly grasp what Paul is saying in this passage, it cannot help but stir faith in our hearts to believe God for bigger things. If this is true, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. if If that is true, it stirs our faith, right? That same power lives in us. But if I'm honest, you know, this this passage also stirs some confusion in my own heart. Um, I mean, if, if what Paul is describing here is true, why don't we see more dramatic evidences of this kind of power in our everyday lives? I mean, honestly, when it comes to this area of experiencing God's supernatural healing power, sometimes I don't feel like we're in a thin place at all. Often it feels like a thick place. Um, it feels like a place where God seems distant and, and unresponsive. Again, I'm, I'm, just being, I'm just being honest. I'm just being real here. I, mean, I have a prayer list, prayer cards that I pray through often. And I, I have a, on these cards, I have lists of, of people that I pray regularly for healing. I, people with, with MS and, and um, lupus and cancer and autoimmune diseases and, and um, men, some mental challenges, mental health challenges like anxiety and depression. I have a list of marriages, a list of marriages that I, I pray for regularly, marriages that I know are struggling big time. Now, I wish I could, I, I wish I could just more regularly cross off my list um, when a prayer gets answered, people because their you know, dying marriage has been resuscitated or they've been healed or whatever. I wish I could do that more often. I have been able to do that a few times um, recently, and that's been really, really fun. But my track record is not very high, honestly. And I sometimes wrestle with why that is. Actually, a lot of times I wrestle with why that is. Um, not just sometimes. We, we have a nonverbal 18-year-old son with, with special needs, and we've prayed thousands and thousands of prayers uh, on his behalf, and we've not, we've not yet seen the miracle that we long for. Um, so yes, I regularly wrestle with Paul's words here in Ephesians 1. If the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me, why don't I see more tangible evidences of that power when I pray? But here's where I always end up in my wrestling. Here's where I always end up. God's word says this power is available to us and that it is real. So the question is, am I going to place my faith in my own experiences or lack thereof? Or... Am I going to place my faith in what God's word says? I mean, that's a really, really important question. See, if my faith, if my faith is in my circumstances, in the circumstances around me, if that's where my faith is, I will, I will stop believing in God's power. 
I will. I will just stop. It's, it's inevitable. I will just stop believing in, in God's power. I will stop believing that all of life is a thin place. And, we'll, and instead, what will happen is I will just settle into this life, day-to-day life, where I have very low expectations that God's going to do anything. Very low expectations of God near, God's nearness and his activity. And what's, here's what's really scary to me, is that that conclusion for any of us here, that conclusion, it's, it's not something we subconsciously declare. I stop believing in God's power. No, 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 no. What happens is, it's a way of living we just settle into. That's what happens. And that's what's scary about it is because we just see a few things not happen the way we pray for it, and we just kind of settle into this place. We don't, I'm going to stop believing. We don't do that. We just settle into this life where our expectations are so low. Our expectancy is so low, and we really stop believing this. We subconsciously remove ourselves from expecting that Paul's words are actually true, that all of life is a thin place, and instead we just settle in this place where really all of life is a thick place. Honestly, I've been, I've been in that place a number of times. But then passages like this wake me up again. They wake me up again to this reality that Paul describes here, that all of life is a thin place. All of life is a thin place. The kingdom of God is at hand. His power is real and is accessible. This wasn't simply a theoretical idea for Paul. It wasn't. He wasn't just waxing on about, you know, theology. No, no, no. He lived it. I mean, look, check this out. In Acts 19, this is one example, but check this out. Acts 19, verse 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. I mean, wow. I mean, Paul had seen God do amazing things. He had seen God do incredible miracles. He had seen it. He had witnessed it firsthand. And here he is describing how that same power that he had seen, that same power lives in us. See, I I can't just ignore these passages simply because my own experience doesn't always match up with this. We we can't ignore these passages just because our experience doesn't match up. We can't do that. We don't want to do that. So so where does this leave us? Well, it it actually points us to two, really two practical ways that each one of us can more fully experience this thin place reality. Okay, so first, pray boldly. Pray boldly. Now, remember the context in which Paul is writing these words. This is a prayer. This is a prayer. Okay, so Paul, who had experienced the miraculous in his own life, Paul was praying that his readers might experience more of God's power. Again, this is so significant in light of what we just read about Paul's life. Paul operated, he definitely operated in this thin place reality, this accessibility to God's power. So if Paul, who had experienced these things, is praying for these believers in Ephesus to operate in this as well, it means that prayer must be a critical part of this. 
right? I mean, prayer has to be a critical part of us experiencing these things. Prayer opens the door to God's power in our lives. Now, I know, you know, I, I know some of us are like, yeah, 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 I've heard this before, blah, blah, blah. Okay, but, but, but I, want us to, I want us to look at this passage because the sense that I get as Paul continues in this prayer, and we're going to see it in just a moment, the sense I get here is that the kind of prayer that Paul is talking about is not your ordinary, if it be your will, prayer, okay? That's just not the sense that I get here. And I don't think you will as well. Look at, how, look at what Paul says next in this passage. This is not just sort of ordinary praying. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything. See, the language that Paul is using here is very instructive. He talks about Jesus being over every rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that can be invoked. All things are under his feet. See, when we truly, when we truly get these truths about what we just said about Jesus, when we get them in our minds and in our hearts, it totally changes how we approach prayer. And here's how. This is really important. Prayer is not about us trying to get God to pay attention. Prayer is not about us trying to beg God to do something. No, prayer is a way we participate in and activate the kingdom of God on earth. See, when the disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray, one of the core elements of that Lord's Prayer, you remember, were these words, your kingdom come. I mean, think about that for a moment. That is technically not even a prayer. It is a declaration. Your kingdom come. Your rule, your reign, your fullness come into this situation right now. See, think about what this means, friends. We, we, we need to always be reminded, and Jesus is reminding us here, we need to always be reminded that we are in the middle of a battle of kingdoms. We are in the middle of a battle of kingdoms. And Satan is very much at work trying to establish his kingdom on earth. <clears throat> when we realize that, when we realize what I just said, suddenly prayer takes on a whole new dimension. It takes on a new importance. This idea that we can easily fall into, and I have at times as well, this idea that God is in control, so why pray? That completely misses what God says about prayer. It's not just, the, oh, this ritual, God's going to take care of it anyway. It's just the sort of thing we do. That's not how God talks about prayer. In prayer, we are aligning ourselves with the authority of Jesus, and we are then participating in the advancement of his kingdom. When you pray, you become a catalytic participant in Jesus' kingdom advancing. Do you realize that? Your prayers matter. Your prayers impact situations because you are a participant with God in his kingdom advancing on earth. 
all the power and the authority that Paul is ascribing to Jesus in this passage has been delegated to you and me as Christ followers. All the power he's talking about has been delegated to us as Christ followers. We are commanded, we are commanded to invoke the kingdom in our praying. So I got a book uh, about a year ago. I read the first part of it, and then I put it down and didn't get back to it. Um, I just picked it up uh, this last week. It's by John Eldridge. Um, man, I wish I would have read it last year. Um, this is a fantastic book. It's called Moving Mountains. Um, I think it's just one of the best books on prayer. Highly recommend it. Anyone here in our prayer ministries, read this book, okay? Get this book. It's great, great stuff. Okay, but I want to read something he writes in it. He writes this, John Eldridge. It's Moving Mountains is the book. He says, you are not the orphaned child sitting out in the hall hoping your busy father will see one of the notes you've pushed under his door. You are not a homeless beggar standing on the corner hoping God will pass by and hand you a couple dollars. You are not a refugee standing in line at the embassy hoping the ambassador will hear your request. You're not even a faithful servant humbly trying to do your best. You are a son or daughter of the living God, a friend and ally, wielding his authority to get things done. We, we are called to pray boldly, not to somehow get God's attention, but, but to embrace our authority that Jesus has given to us, which is why in our praying, it is so important to be declaring what we know to be true about who Jesus is, and we let that fuel our praying, which is exactly what Paul does here. He goes on and on about who Jesus is and how Jesus is above every power and authority. See, when we focus on that, when we focus on and we declare who Jesus is, our faith rises in what Jesus can do. So I was laying in bed a couple days ago, um, which I often do. I don't sleep very long. I mean, I don't stay awake very long when I'm reading, so I end up, it helps me go to sleep. But I was laying in bed, and I was reading Eldridge's book about some of this stuff. I was so inspired. I got out of bed. Literally, I got out of bed, and I went into another room, and it was like 1030. I don't know what time it was. And I just began praying with more authority than ever before for a friend of mine who was battling for his life. I mean, I felt this renewed unction in my spirit that my prayers mattered. My prayers could make a difference in this situation. I mean, isn't that what Paul is praying for in this passage? Not, oh, I hope they know about prayer. No, no, no. He is praying that we would know, we would experience God's incomparably great power given to us in Jesus, who has all authority in heaven and on earth. So bold praying enables us to step into this thin place reality all around us. It enables us to step into that reality all around us. Where do you need a resurrection today? Well, how boldly are you praying into that? How boldly are you praying into that situation? Jesus invites us to pray boldly 
into that situation because the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and lives in me. Let's join him in what he wants to do by praying with that kind of authority. Now, there's another aspect of this thin place reality that is highlighted by Paul in this passage. There's a second way we can grow in this. So look at, look at how Paul ends this passage in verses 22 and 23. And I chose the, I'm going to read this from the ESV translation because I think it captures this better than the one I usually use, the NIV. So this is what it says. And he put all things under, under Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Notice what Paul is saying here. God put all things under Jesus' feet. We just read about that. And that's awesome, right? We just read about that. And then notice, and then God gave him to the church. So God gave to the church Jesus in all his authority and power and dominion and fullness. Okay, so who is the church? You and I are. You, you and I are the church. You know, often when we hear the word church, we think about a physical location, a building. And it's unfortunate the way that this word got translated centuries ago, um, this word church, because it, it, it's more about a physical building. But that's not what the word means. The word translated church in Greek, it's the word ekklesia. Ekklesia. And ekklesia is not a building. Ekklesia is a gathering. It is a community of faith. So Jesus once said, when two or three people agree together in my name, I am there in their midst. I mean, for Jesus, church is not a building, it's a community. And so he's saying, look, whenever God's people gather, whether it's 2,000 people or two people, Jesus has been given to that gathering to fill it with his fullness. So what does this mean for us? Well, it means that we are not only to pray boldly, we are to pray boldly in community. We are to pray boldly in community whenever possible. See, that there is something uniquely powerful about the gathered people of God praying together for God's power to be accessed. In fact, we have a great example of this in Acts chapter 4, the book of Acts chapter 4. Peter and John had just been released um, by the authorities for preaching the gospel, and they kind of beat them up, and then they told them, don't do that anymore. Don't preach about Jesus. And, and so John and Peter, they go back to their brothers and sisters in Christ there in Jerusalem. They go back and they tell them the news. They tell them this is what the authorities said. And immediately, they all launch in to this prayer session. But again, it is not just a quick little, you know, your will be done prayer kind of thing. It's not. I mean, they go for it. <laughs> they go for it. So they start by proclaiming who God is. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and everything in them. They were declaring who God is. That's how they start their prayer. And then they quote scripture, which is a great thing to do. They quote scripture to God. You, but they're quoting it back to God. You spoke through your servant David. The nation, why do the nations rage and all, all that? And then after quoting scripture back to God, they, 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 they launch into this, this, this bold prayer to God. God, stretch out your hand and heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. I mean, they are going for it. They know the authority they have in Christ and they they're boldly asking for and declaring his kingdom to come. And they're doing so in community. 
They're doing so in community. They are agreeing together in prayer about these things. See, when we take time in our worship service, when we take time to pray for a specific need, maybe it's for schools or whatever, we're just praying for people, we do that in our worship services. There's power in that. That's why we do it. There is power in that. We're not just doing something, oh, we're supposed to pray because we're together. No, no, no. We are agreeing together. We are declaring together um, for God's kingdom to come into that circumstance, into that need. When we take time in our services to pray for healing for one another, we, 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 we are praying boldly in community, and, and, and we're seeing people regularly healed, regularly experience healing as a result. When you take time in your small group, if you're a part of a small group, if you're not, I encourage you to be, but when you take time to pray for one another in your, in your small group, remember that the presence of Jesus is there in your midst. There are things that you can champion and pray for in your group that we can't do here in a, in a, in a large setting like this. In, in the group of people that you're journeying with, prayer can be a critical part of this. And so we're encouraging the groups this week doing the, the sermon note stuff. We, we're encouraging them to spend more time in prayer for each other this week. When you and your spouse agree together about something in prayer for your children or your finances or for guidance and direction. You are intentionally living in this thin place reality. You are intentionally living in this thin place reality. God's power is available to us 24-7. And our prayers are a way to engage and access that power and participate in his kingdom coming to earth. Your kingdom come. That's not a prayer for heaven. That is a prayer for God's kingdom to come now. And in praying it, we get to participate in this. Remember, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So let's pray. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that stirs faith in our hearts. And we acknowledge how so often we just kind of settle in to this place where, yeah, we don't honestly, we don't really believe your power is accessible or we don't feel like it's accessible. I've been there, Lord, and I, many of us, we just, we're just acknowledging that. But we don't want to settle into that place. We want to focus not on our circumstances. We want to focus on what your word tells us. And so we welcome you right now. Lord, we want to pray. We want to apply what we have just heard about. And we want to pray. So as we, as we enter into this prayer time here, I, I want us to take a moment. We're going to pray for a number of things here. We left a little more room after the service to do that because we just want to pray. Um, but I want us to take a moment here before we pray for a few specific things, and I want you to reflect upon this truth. As you're praying in just a moment, you are not a beggar trying to get God's attention. You are not an orphan. You are a son 
or daughter of God who has been given the authority of Jesus to invoke his kingdom on earth. Think about that. Let that truth sink deeply in your heart and your mind right now before we pray. You're a catalytic participant in the activity of God in your prayers. You have his attention right now. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So in light of that, let me just ask again this question. Where, where, where do you need a resurrection? Where, where is the smell of death in your life or in the life of someone around you? Where do you long to see God's power at work? So we're going to pray through just a few areas here. The last one's going to be praying for healing, but we want to pray through a couple areas here and just give space to do this. So the first area that we really, we felt as we were thinking, praying this, planning the service, just wanted to pray for a, a few moments here about relationships. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a marriage that you know. Friends of yours, or you just know they're struggling. Maybe it's a relationship between a parent and child or with your, your friend or with a coworker, and you know power. Power is needed. And so I want us to take a moment, just a few moments here. You can pray quietly. You can pray out loud. But we're just going to pray and remember you are a son or daughter of God who has been given the authority of Jesus to invoke his kingdom on earth. Remember that as you pray. Okay, so let's pray for relationships right now. So now I want us to, uh, we're just going to transition. You can keep praying for that, but I want to give another thought here. And we, want, we wanted to pray, take a moment and pray for someone that you know. If there's a person you know, that they're, they're just, they're making choices that are destructive, that are leading them away from God, that's leading them away from the good things God has for them. It may be a child, it may be a friend, family member. But we want to just take a moment and we want to pray for them. We want to pray for a resurrection. And again, remember as you pray, you are a son or daughter of God who has been given the authority of Jesus to invoke his kingdom into this situation. So pray, pray like that. Okay, let's pray.
So now I want us to get maybe a little more personal here, and I want you to think of something in your own life that you want. You know, God is our Heavenly Father, and He doesn't just care about what we need. He cares about what we want. So there may be desires in your heart. And, and, and we just felt like God wanted us to pray for those things, to take a moment here and pray boldly for God to move. And again, as you pray, remember you are a son or daughter of God who has been given the authority of Jesus to invoke his kingdom on earth, even into this situation, into this longing and desire. So let's just take a moment here and pray for something that you want your father to give you. So there's one other thing that, one other area we want to pray into, and that is um, the area of healing. Um, and uh, we, do, we do this probably once a month maybe, where we are able to pray for each other for healing. And we're going to enter into that in just a moment. I'll give directions. But before we do, I want to tell two stories that happened from the last time that we did this in our service. So first one, <clears throat> um, a person told me their story. They came to, they had injured their shoulder over a long period of time, a to partially torn rotator cuff. And they came to the service um, that day. Um, it was a month ago and in pain, their shoulder. And so when we asked people, just raise your hand if you'd like to receive prayer, he raised his hand, people gathered around him. Um, and he immediately, as they were praying, he immediately just felt a sense of warmth kind of in that in that area, um, which wasn't unusual for him. So, so then they, um, they uh, um, stopped praying for him and um, the worship continued. And, and as the worship was going on, he felt these two, literally two snaps, like, like snaps happen in his, in, and they hurt in his shoulder area. These two snaps happened, and they hurt for like 30 seconds. And then after a little bit, he noticed he was able to move it like 50% better just in the worship service. That has continued. So now he is at 95%. His doctor has agreed he doesn't need an MRI, he doesn't need surgery. He's at 95% of shoulder movement just from the prayer time a month ago. So another story. Um, a woman emailed me. She had, um, she had had a recent pap test, and there were several um, areas of abnormal cells on this test. And she began looking into her family history and realizing that there are several women in her family history who had cervical cancer. So... That's, she had just discovered that, came to church. During the prayer time, she raised her hand to receive healing prayer, and she, she received that. Four days later, they had, a biopsy was performed. Cancer test was completely negative. There were no abnormal cells visible at all. So she sent me an email because she wanted me to share that story with our church. Um, so praise God uh, for those cool stories of his activity. Okay, so what we want to do, what we're going to do is we're all going to stand. Um, in fact, why don't we do that right now? Let's just stand up. 
And in just a moment, I'm going to just have anyone who, who you've got something going on um, where you'd like to receive prayer, just raise your hand and, and you'll hold your hand up and then whoever's around you, they'll just gather around you. Um, and um, what we'll do, we'll just have you just share briefly what it is, if you're comfortable, if you'd rather silent prayer, that's fine, but if you're comfortable, just to let people know what they're praying for. Um, and then they will just begin praying for you just for a couple minutes, just praying. Um, and if you're the people gathering around, don't feel pressure to pray out loud. We encourage you to, but you don't have to. You can pray in the quiet of your heart, but we're gonna pray for these people, for these needs, for God's power to intervene in these situations. Okay, so that's what's gonna happen. Um, so why don't you... Um, in fact, let me just, let me just um, quiet our hearts here. And I want to just pray for us. Lord, I pray for any needs represented here. We would have the courage to raise our hand and the humility to raise our hand and say, oh, please pray for me, that we would love to see your power at work. And so, Lord, you know the needs that are here, and we welcome your power right now. And I want to just pray that you would give us courage. If you want to receive prayer, want us to receive prayer, give us courage, whoever that is, just to raise our hand do that. So, so right now, let's do that. Raise your hand and hold it up if you would like to receive prayer. Just raise it up. And if you look around you then, church, and this is the opportunity to agree together. And so look around you and just move towards anyone who has their hand up. their hand up has some people around them. Yes? Okay, great. Now, why don't you take just a moment, not a huge long explanation, just what are they praying for? If you're comfortable doing that, just share what they're praying for. Okay, now that you know what we're praying for, let's go for it. Just start praying for healing. Bless them, invoke the name of Jesus, pray healing over them.
just declare life, healing, blessing over these people. You've heard these prayers, Lord, we are asking in the name of Jesus. You are over every power and authority, Lord. Every disease, every situation, you are over that. And so we declare your praise. We declare your power. And we pray for your kingdom to come, your will to be done. Bring healing and life. I pray for, thank you for what you're doing right now. And even if someone's not sensing anything, we just pray, God, it would continue. Maybe through the service, through this coming weeks, it would just continue. Your work of healing would continue. And I pray, Lord, no matter what, each person we pray for, that they would feel loved by the people around them and loved by you, God, that you are walking with them through this. So we thank you. We thank you for hearing our prayers and the opportunity to pray for one another. We love you. We entrust these people to you. We're excited to hear stories about what you've done in these moments together. We love you, God. We love you, God. Okay, you can go back to your, you can go back to your, your place of standing. We'll continue to stand here. If you got a word or something as you were praying for that person, we encourage you, if you weren't able to share it, just after the service, just go up to them and say, hey, this is kind of what I was sensing or whatever. You want to pray into that. Encourage you to do that. Encourage you to do that. So, so now we have the opportunity just to worship this amazing God that we love so much. So Jesus, set us free to worship you. We exalt you as Lord. We praise you as a God of power and a God of healing, a God of life. You're amazing. This is a th- thank you, thank you, Lord, that all of life is a thin place. We love you. We welcome you here, Holy Spirit.